Most people skip the criteria step altogether and don't really think about what would make a good name for me? How would I decide between two names? What are some of the things, practical or otherwise, that might help guide the efforts? From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on episode 120 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the co-founder of Bullhorn, Brad Flowers. Brad is an expert at naming and language design. Have you ever struggled with naming issues for your business or for a project or product? If you are now or think you may be naming something new in the future, in this episode, you'll learn some of the issues you need to consider. Stay with us to hear all the details. When I've needed to name a new project or product, I've typically wanted to get some feedback from people I trust who know me and understand my vision. When you're working alone on your business, there are lots of challenges, like naming, that can cause you doubt. One of the best ways to overcome doubt is to spend time with trusted colleagues who can give you honest feedback. We've created the Smashing the Plateau community to be such just such a place. In addition to being a safe place to share with colleagues, we're providing resources and access to experts to help you get answers quickly to your most burning questions. In the Smashing the Plateau community, we're honored to serve high-achieving professionals who are motivated to build successful consulting businesses on their own terms so they can do what they love and get paid what they're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Brad Flowers. Brad co-founded Bullhorn, an agency that builds impact brands with language and design. Brad leads naming and language generation at Bullhorn. He has a degree in literature, which he finds more useful than he expected. He co-founded the nonprofit bike shop, Broke Spoke. Brad is also the author of The Naming Book, he lives with his wife and two kids in Lexington, Kentucky. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, David. I'm excited. Me too. How did you become an expert in branding and naming? Uh, that's a great question. It's, it gets kind of back to my uh, the literature point about that being more useful than I expected. So there's kind of a, a short and a long answer. And the shorter answer is, I you know, as a kid, I loved to read books, novels specifically, and when I was growing up, you know, I thought the options were you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, or you could be a middle manager. Those were like your three choices. And and none of those really seemed that great. And so I thought, well, I can I can teach. That's a, that's another option. So I got a degree in literature and with the idea that I would go go back and teach, I took a year off to get to uh, apply to PhD programs. During that time, I took a job at a bicycle shop and I learned two things, one of which was difficult, which was that I didn't really like to teach, which was tough because I didn't have a backup plan. And the other thing was that I was really interested in business, which was a big surprise because the idea of starting a business wasn't really, I just didn't really think of it as an option. Uh, so uh, let's see, I was there for four years. I managed the shop after a couple of years. And it's, it's funny, it's actually kind of a good it's a good place to learn some of the basics about business, service, sales, buying something, you know, finding a good fit for somebody. That's an aside. So 
I started Bullhorn after after I was there for four years. I had a co-founder. He was doing citywide music events, and I was doing uh, bicycling events. And we thought initially that we would do event marketing. Uh, and we quickly found that no one wanted to pay us to do any event marketing at all. And so we started uh, consulting more broadly. And so I guess the last, you know, the, the the story of the last 10 years, 12 years has been, what's the intersection of what do we do well? What can we make money doing? And what benefits our community? And the funny thing is, is our idea of what our community is has gotten a lot bigger. Our idea of what we're good at has gotten a lot smaller. And so really it's, it's been a series of like, well, that didn't go that great. Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore or that's tough to make money doing, maybe we shouldn't do that. So that's kind of how how I got here in, in a pretty meandering way. As far as I know, there's not like a direct path to becoming a naming expert. Most people do it on accident. So if, if you're out there trying to become a naming expert, I don't really have any good advice because I kind of stumbled into it. How long would you describe yourself as a naming expert? Like, like over the course of your career, how many years since you started working full-time and, and of that total period, what portion would you say being a naming expert really was part of who you are? Yeah, it definitely took probably the first five to seven years, I would say. I mean, I'd say I've been doing this, I think, 12 years coming up, maybe 13. I can't remember. And, and is, is the this working full time or is the this the your consulting business? So, yeah, so I started Bullhorn this fall of 2008. And I have been running this full-time since then. Uh, that's my only only occupation. So I kind of have two roles. Like I run the business, but also I lead the naming, naming exercise. There are 13, 14 of us at Bullhorn. And so it probably took, I don't know, the first five or six years. Like, as I mentioned, we started off, you know, I, I think a, a lot of the people on this podcast they start their consultancy already having some sort of expertise in what they're doing. We started our business having no idea what we were doing. Uh, we had never done this professionally. We had never had any clients. We just started doing it. And so I don't know that I'd recommend doing that. We, you know, I was so going to say that that either takes <laughs> a lot of self-confidence or, or maybe, um, I don't know, short-sightedness. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe whatever. Both. I wouldn't do it again. I would say, th clearly, if you're still in it 13 years later, and now there's actually, um, you know, there's a team, I guess you've done some things that have worked. Yeah, we've done a lot of things that have worked worked particularly well. And I think, you know, the part of it is just like showing up, trying hard and admitting when you screw up, uh, I think goes a long way. So And having enough cash to, to withstand whatever whatever's not working. That's right. Yep. Yeah, because in business, you know, they, they say cash is king or cash is queen. It certainly is. You, that's the main reason why businesses fail is lack of cash. Yeah, we have certainly found that. That's also the big main reason why I'm up in the middle of the night is because of cash. Yep. I think that's true for most business owners. So tell me a little bit about the naming expertise. Sure. So after we had been around, we started the company, we'd been in business a couple of years and we were working for this nonprofit and they, through the kind of the branding process, they really had this realization they needed to pivot pretty dramatically. And so it was dramatic enough that they needed a new name and they asked us if we could do it. And again, like self, either self-confidence or short-sighted, we said yes. And it was extraordinarily stressful, but also pretty exciting and opened up a whole new opportunity and an idea of what we could do and how 
uh, language plays such an important part in branding, which oftentimes people who do what, what we do start off as designers. They're successful. They hire more designers. And so I think what's something that's a little different about us is we do start really from this language first perspective and then move into design. And so I don't know, thinking about the name probably wasn't that big of a jump from that. And I'm the sort of person who once I start, once I decide I want to do something, I kind of want to learn everything about it. And so I read all the books that I could find that were published on the subject. I did a dive into the kind of scholarly, scholarly articles on the subject. And what eventually I needed to kind of hire more people to help. And so the problem is, is it's hard to tell people how to do it. And so there are plenty of people out there who are poets or writers and have this like really interesting take on language. And I thought that would be a great asset to the team, but I didn't really know how to kind of plug them in. What I went after really was this idea of how, how can we create a process that's pretty easily replicable. And I realized after doing all this research that there wasn't anything like that out there. And so for me as a person who's into it, if I, if I can't find it, what about the entrepreneur who really wants to name one thing and then never learn, know anything else about naming? They just want one name. And so that was the seed of what be, ended up becoming the naming book really was that pain point of how do I integrate people who are clever and have, you know, think about language in interesting ways. How do I plug them into our naming practice? That kind of process of doing that was like, well, maybe there's a book in there. And so I, I started talking to some publishers and they agreed. And that was published in, let's see, it would have been spring of 2020. It was the week that school shut down here. So I got to celebrate with my kids at home. <laughs> I was going to say, good timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The publisher said it was actually the worst timing in the last 50 years, but that's all right. What kind of response have you gotten to the book since then? I've gotten a lot of great response, and it's been pretty varied from people who are just thankful that it helped them think about a product differently or a name differently. I, I had a guy reach out to me on LinkedIn who asked if I would look, he read the book, he put together a proposal deck and asked if I would look through the deck uh, because he was proposing renaming his, coming up with a new last name. And he wanted me to look at it before he pitched it to his family. So that was certainly the most interesting response, renaming this guy's family. And uh, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. I thought it was great. <laughs> How did it work out? Did he actually, did he go with the name and did his family buy into it? I think his family squashed the idea, but I think he took on one of the names as a, as an author. So it's kind of a compromise. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cause as you were describing the process, I one of the thoughts that was running through my head was, gee, I wonder if this would, would apply to parents naming newborns or, you know, people coming together in, uh, in marriage or other relationships where, Names need to be thought about. And, um, you know, does one person change a name? Do they both change a name? Does nobody change a name? Yeah, I think so. I, I That's a great application. I, I know this is a tangent you might not have thought about going down. No, the, I, actually, <laughs> it's interesting. I think the, the process, the book is really written for an entrepreneur who wants to come up with the name. So like a lot of the exercises are pretty specific. But if you think just with a little bit of latitude, you can pretty easily adapt it. The Entrepreneur Press published the book and they've started using it for generating book titles. I just, uh, a friend, uh, let's see, a new friend of mine, I just gave him the book. He's writing a book of short stories. And so he needed short story titles and he's been using it. So yeah, it's definitely useful for any time. We used part of it. We got a, we were one of those people who got a COVID puppy for um, Christmas last year. We thought that was a great idea. 
And so we used it to come up with the name of our dog, which turned out it took two weeks. The dog didn't have a name for two weeks. So it maybe wasn't that great of an idea uh, in that case. And what is the dog's name? Uh, the dog's name's Matilda. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah, good name. So let's talk about consultants that are yeah. starting their business after a long career as an employed professional. So, you know, typically these are folks that are, you know, 20 plus years, you know, often in some kind of corporate setting. They're really good at what they do. They've developed deep expertise and either they proactively decide it's time for a career pivot. I'm going to use my expertise in my own business or quite commonly they get pushed out for reasons other than performance and they see that as a sign that um, maybe it's time to do their own thing, have more control over their destiny. And so they start a single person consulting business. And one of the issues they face is, what do I call my business? Yeah. And I suspect the biggest problem is, should I name the business after myself or not? Is that, that one is of the bigger a ones? very common one. It's one that I faced in 2006. That is a big one. And it's it gets to the heart of like kind of a lot of naming issues like like this. So it comes down to a question of brand equity. If you think of yourself, once you start to think of yourself as the cornerstone of a company, you have a certain amount of brand equity in your name. And to what degree do you leverage that that brand equity moving forward for the company, which is a little bit quicker, but might be more limited. And to what degree do you think, okay, this is going to be a longer play and I'm going to build something bigger than me. And I'm going to try to set the foundations to something that can grow bigger, which takes a little bit longer, but might have more potential. So I, you know, a knee jerk response to me is like, I think some advice, you know, naming it after yourself can be good. You, you have a good reputation. It opens the doors, probably makes sales a little bit easier, but I would also want to ask, does it become limiting at some point and, and why? And, and that can be one, do other people who are as smart and talented as you want to work for a company named after you, or do they want to buy into something bigger? Uh, two, does, does your name tell a bigger story that someone wants to buy into and someone wants to be part of? So those are some things I would be, I would be thinking about. I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly a little quicker to name it after yourself and get going. And also you can always rename. I mean, companies rename all the time. But it's costly. It's costly. Uh, the exact same thing happened. A guy came to us. He he left a company. He was a financial planner, had a great career, left, started his own business, named it after himself, was trying to take on his growth strategy was he wanted to attract partners that already had books of business so that he could grow fairly quickly but was finding his name a limiting factor because what was there to buy into in under his name. And so he ended up doing a rename and a rebrand in order to kind of create this bigger vision of what the firm stood for and why someone would want to be part of it, uh, why they would want to leave potentially a, a larger company that was maybe more stable, you know, in exchange for something that's maybe a more exciting opportunity. Right. So I would assume if you're naming your business after yourself, mm -hmm. then the name choices are fairly limited and fairly obvious. Yes. It's usually last name plus modifier is probably the most common. So it's like, like my last name is Flowers. So it might be Flowers Wealth Management. That, that's a bad one because Flowers is also a, you know, there are a lot of florists 
Flowers is fl- right. flowers, flowers. You might. <laughs> so if I were a florist, I'd call myself Flowers Flowers, which is actually a pretty good name probably for a florist. And then there's flower. If you're not looking at the word, it's F-L-O-U-R. Could be, yeah. So that, that could be, yeah, mispronunciation or misspelling. But yeah, it's most common last name plus modifier, which could be wealth management or CPAs or, you know, whatever your particular expertise is. Right. Brad's consulting. Yeah. Brad's consulting. Brad's branding. Now, and if you're choosing a unique name that is not related to your own name, then it's a much more challenging choice, I would presume. It's a challenging choice because you move from an, you know, you probably have five or fewer options to hundreds of options, probably more than hundreds. Right. And that's when really something like the naming book comes in and can help you focus your efforts and work. Because the main the main problem that most people run into is our thinking Generally, most of us are educated to converge upon the right answer. That's just how all of school works. That's what we're oriented towards. You know, we're, we want to come up with the one right answer. And I think naming in particular and really any creative task really isn't like that. It's the idea is that you need to create as much as possible so that you can have the best options. But in order to do that, you have to have some sort of criteria. And so most people skip the criteria step altogether and don't really think about what would make a good name for me? How would I decide between two names? What are some of the things, practical or otherwise, that might help guide the efforts? And so it helps you kind of set the criteria, it helps you understand how to generate lots of names, and then it help, helps decide in the end, how do I take this criteria and all of these hundreds of words and decide which is the best one for me and my company that I have this picture of? So if, if the criteria is the step that people often omit, what are some of the things that go into criteria that consultants should think about? Well, when you should think about, the first thing I start off with is, this assumes that you can already do a few things. You've, you can probably already write a pretty clear paragraph about what you're doing. You can summarize it in what's the most important sentence. So that's some foundational work that you need to be able to do first. We talk a little bit about that in the book, probably these people already can do that because they're fairly, they already have a fair amount of expertise. So you want to be able to really clearly articulate what you intend to do. And then from there, the first thing I would start off with is generating a list of tones. You know, do you want the name or the feel of the business in general? Do you want it to be more fun or do you want it to be more intellectual or do you want it to be exclusive or more inclusive? And so we can go through this whole list of tones, the exercises to decide what are five to 10 tones that really that really sound right, that sound like what I want this to, to feel like, what it would be like to work with me. Is it creative? Is it disciplined? In all of those sorts of potential things, depending on your field. What's an example of a tone? Well, all of those would be, would be examples. So okay. like, like fun might be one. You can think of I'm trying to think of a good example. Like um, if you think of watches, you might think of swatch might be one and you might think of like fun and design forward and frivolous or I, I don't exactly know. But then you think of, of something maybe more a more exclusive sort of watch where so it's not as inclusive. The price point is different. Also, it probably feels different. It looks different. And so you have different sorts of names like Rolex is a different sort of name. You know, Mont Blanc, which I think they make watches and pins. It's a different sort of name. Like it's literally something that's like far away and hard to 
you know, get to hard for most people to get to. Mm-hmm. So those, those are examples of, if you, you can think of a way to kind of do it is you can think of brands that you like, and then think of words that you would use to describe. And that gets a sense of what the tones might be for that particular brand to help you think through. So if it's mine, what would I want it to feel like? What do I want people to think about when they think about my company? And as a founder, it's a little difficult because it's, it tends to be your personal values or what you bring to it. And so to the degree, if you're, if you imagine starting something to grow outside of yourself, to what degree, to the degree to which you can imagine five years down the road, uh, I think the better, although really as the founder, you know, your values and your personality tend to guide things and shape it. Yeah. What are maybe some examples of some really interesting names for consulting businesses? Ooh, are there any? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. That's a good question. Well, there's, um, I mean, it depends on your space. There's a design agency and I think it's in New York called Mother, which I always think is a funny name for a design agency. Yeah, I would say so. You know, so... I don't know what they do, but I think if you could, would call yourself that, I'd at least entertain. I'd at least give you the time of day. So it could be, a, the name could be a good lead generator. It's a good lead generator. Like I think in general, it's maybe a little less true. It's a little less true probably for consultancies than it is for like CPG, but there's still the idea that almost everyone all the time has too many choices. Like we all, in whatever decision we're making, we never suffer from having a lack of choices. It's always too much. And so to me, if your name can buy you that kind of like couple of seconds where the rest of the brand can start to fill in, then the name's really done all the heavy lifting that it needs to do. And so by the rest of the brand, I mean, maybe you hand them a business card and they look at the name and then the names gets their attention. And so then they look at the graphic design and the quality of the card. You know, most people don't get business cards. That's probably a bad idea, but it's same thing holds true, whether it's your LinkedIn profile or your, you know, your website or whatever it is, some social media post. So I think, yeah, it's that if a name can, can buy someone a second, it can certainly help. The name doesn't have to do it all, but the name can kind of open the door and the rest of it can close the deal. I think whether it's packaging or Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share before we close out? Well, I think there are other practical things you'll want to think about. You'll want to think about uh, URL availability, social media handles, probably all of those things are important uh, as a way that most people want to build their, want to build their brand with kind of thought leadership. And so how are you going to kind of get that out is something I would want to be thinking about. Are there available Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn, however you want to do that. So that's an example of a pretty practical criteria. So you might have a great name, but if someone else already has something similar, it's probably going to be a problem. And it's so frustrating. Yeah, I've gone through that. What I thought was a good name for something, and I look for the URL and it's like, taken or anything close to it is um, available for purchase, but it's a hefty price. Yes. Yeah, that happens. I feel like it happens every day to me, but it's it happens a lot. You have this great idea and you think, okay, no one's ever thought of this. And sure enough, you know, someone else has had the same great idea. So that's that's again the whole the whole point to thinking as as widely as possible. So I'd strongly recommend uh, if you're going down this rabbit hole of trying to name something outside of yourself, I'd strongly recommend the book. It's an inexpensive way to get a lot of good ideas to get going. This gives a lot of good brainstorming ideas, how to start, how to come up with divergent brainstorming, how to do research when it moves to looking online, when every, it's kind of like 
all the information is so overwhelming. How do you sort through it? Yeah, that's that's what I would do. Sounds like a great resource, Brad. How can people get a hold of the book, or if um, you know you have uh, other resources that you would recommend that they check out with regard to you or your business? Where's the best place to go for both of those? It's thenamingbook.com. So when I named the book, I, of course, looked, <laughs> is the URL available? <laughs> so the naming book is available at thenamingbook.com or pretty much anywhere you would buy books, whether it's, you know, Amazon or wherever. Uh, it's, it's at the naming book. And you can find me at bullhorncreative.com. And that's Bullhorn Creative pretty much all, all over the internet, too, whether it's here or there. That's how you can get, get in touch with me or find out more about what we do. Sounds great. Well, Brad, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and um, sharing a little bit about your experiences, what's gone into the book yeah. and, and some of the tips that, that you share in the book. My guest today has been the co-founder of Bullhorn, Brad Flowers. Thank you again, Brad, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, David. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned what to consider when naming a business, project, or product, and much more. When I've needed to name a new project or product, I've typically wanted to get some feedback from people I trust who know me and understand my vision. When you're working alone on your business, there are lots of challenges, like naming. They can cause you doubt. One of the best ways to overcome doubt is to spend time with trusted colleagues who can give you honest feedback. We've created the Smashing the Plateau community to be just such a place. In addition to being a safe place to share with colleagues, we're providing resources and access to experts to help you get answers quickly to your most burning questions. In the Smashing the Plateau community, we're honored to serve high-achieving professionals who are motivated to build successful consulting businesses on their own terms so they can do what they love and get paid what they're worth. You can learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>